and would do anything to get an appointment. Paul closed his email by identifying himself as holding a senior management position in the Hartford area. I called him up, using the work number I was glad he'd remembered to give me in his email. I get many messages from people with ADD asking me to call them back, and they often forget to provide me with a telephone number. Paul answered his own phone. Just as I expected, he sounded intelligent. But, just as I expected, he sounded frustrated. Why didn't someone pick up on this when I was in school, he asked. And why didn't my doctor catch it? I gave him the answer I've given many times. It's not anybody's fault. Most doctors don't know much about ADD, and few teachers knew about it when you were in school. Back then, people dismissed you as stupid or just bad. I heard him grunt in recognition. I know I could have done much better. I know I could be doing better now. Is it too late? It is never too late. Absolutely never. Do you really think I have ADD, he asked. I laughed. He was eager and impatient like most of us who have ADD. I wish I could diagnose you here on the telephone, but just from your email and this conversation, I can't do that. However, I can say for sure that it's worth looking into further. So what's the next step, he asked eagerly. I could almost see him drumming his pencil or tapping his fingers as we talked. Well, if I may peddle my wares, I replied, you could try reading my book, Driven to Distraction. And if you see yourself in it, then make an appointment with a specialist and get a proper evaluation. What's a proper evaluation, he asked. You go see a doctor, preferably one who has special training in learning differences and ADD. But make sure you see someone who has broad experience so he or she can identify what else could be going on. Maybe some undiagnosed medical condition like hypothyroidism. That actually happened with one of my patients just the other day. Anyway, you should see a doctor. Child psychiatrists probably have the most training. But I'm not a child, Paul protested. I know that, I said with a laugh. Child psychiatrists also see adults. I don't know any child psychiatrists, he replied. I asked him where he lived. Since it was only a couple of hours from my office, I volunteered my services. He gratefully accepted. I was pretty sure I could help him. People who say, as Paul did, that they have never been truly happy in their lives and have always felt like a square peg in a round hole are the people whom mental health professionals help every day. Several months passed. I assumed Paul had found another doctor, maybe someone closer to his home. But three months after his initial email, I received another. It began with a copy of the first email he had sent months before, to which he added this. Dr. Hollowell, as you can see, I sent you the above email on August 5th, 2003. You advised me to schedule an appointment with your office and purchase the book. I thought I would give you an update. I did purchase the book. And like most books I purchased, I've read approximately two-thirds of it. I pick it up and put it down. I pick it up and put it down. And so the story goes. After we spoke, I had every intention of calling your office right then and there to schedule an appointment. But I always just seem to get involved in something else. I think you know what the hell I'm going through. 
I just can't complete most things. Yet I'm not unsuccessful. I really think I'm losing it and need an evaluation. Please forward me the number at your office, and I'll schedule an appointment immediately. I want to find the answer to what holds me back in life. Thanks, Paul. Paul's delay in getting to me is common. One of the many traps ADD can set is that of procrastination. But finally, we set up an appointment and we met. As I took Paul's history, it became clear that he did have ADD. His mind was always on the go, and ever since childhood, distractibility had been a problem for him. He had spent years in school being reprimanded, and when he wasn't being reprimanded in school, he was being ridiculed by his father, a man he both worshipped and feared. Gradually, due to the mistreatment at school and the put-downs at home, Paul began to give up on himself. Well, he didn't drop out. He was too tenacious for that, but he started to sell himself short. He went into a career that didn't truly interest him, and he married a woman he didn't truly love, both to appease his father and because he didn't think he could do any better. Settling for what he had, he tried to make the best of it, and the best of it he did make. He became financially successful at a job he didn't much like, and he raised three wonderful children, being a world-class dad. He treated his wife well and was faithful to her, doing his best to love her. His one stumbling block was alcohol, with which he self-medicated on a daily basis. However, he caught himself before it was too late, joined AA, and had been sober for almost eight years when we met. I diagnosed his ADD, which in itself was a relief and a revelation to him. My dad just told me I was a loser, told me I needed a kick in the pants, which he often gave me. You'll think this diagnosis is just another excuse. But it's not, Paul, I replied. It is a medical fact. I could see him sitting up straighter in his chair. You have struggled heroically your whole life. Now it is time for you to receive the medical treatment you should have received many years ago. I started Paul on a stimulant medication, Adderall, and I also referred him for a specialized non-medication treatment called the interactive metronome, which is a type of brain training many athletes use to improve timing and coordination. For example, the professional golfer, P.J. Singh, has improved his game with the interactive metronome exercises. In addition, I referred Paul to a support group for adults with ADD that I run with a psychologist. I also took stock with Paul of what he really wanted to do in life. I asked him what dreams he had, dreams that perhaps he had given up on. Usually adults who have undiagnosed ADD have some dream, some forgotten hope, the treatment can revive and help turn into a reality. Sure enough, Paul had a dream. But on the face of it, Paul's dream was a tremendous long shot. He wanted to become a professional golfer. Now 47 years old, he would become eligible to join the Senior Professional Golfers Association Tour in three years, when he turned 50. Legions of middle-aged men all over America share the dream of turning pro at age 50. But most of the players who actually do make it to the senior tour have already been on the regular PGA tour for many years. Very few are able to qualify to join the tour 
with no prior professional experience at age 50. On the other hand, Paul was what is called a scratch golfer. His handicap was zero, meaning his average score for 18 holes of golf was par, which, depending on the course, is around 72. For readers who do not know golf, that is outstanding. Professionals are glad to shoot 72. One or two shots below that can win tournaments. Being a scratch golfer, Paul had a shot. Still a long shot, but a shot. At making the senior tour when he turned 50. I encouraged him to take his dream seriously. As treatment of his ADD began, Paul got good news. The medication helped him. It does not help everyone, but it did help Paul. With Adderall, he could focus more clearly, and it did not cause side effects. Paul began to talk in the group therapy about his new life, what it felt like to have ADD, and how good it felt to give it a name. He talked about his abusive father, how he had held Paul down for so many years. He still loved his dad, but he knew it was time to rise up and be his own man, to take charge of his own life at last. It was clear that powerful forces of change were stirring inside Paul. Within a couple of months, he had made an appointment to meet with one of the country's leading golf instructors, a man who might just be able to get his game in good enough shape for the senior tour. No guarantee, of course, but Paul resolved to give it his best shot. He also sat down with his wife and said what he knew he needed to say. Now that the kids are grown up, wouldn't it be best for both of us to go our separate ways? To his surprise and relief, she agreed. The marriage had not been satisfying to her either. As of this writer,